Well, we now know that Gonzaga will not see Bronny James on Saturday, but we still got plenty of exciting matchups to discuss ahead of the big game in Sin City between Gonzaga and USC. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome into the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel. Folks, make every moment more right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Happy Friday, Zag Nation. I am thrilled to be joined today by Matt Zemek. Matt is the managing editor of the USA Today's Trojan Wire site. Fantastic college sports writer, my former boss, as I spent about a year writing at Trojan's Wire at USA Today. Matt, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Looking forward to getting a chance to talk about this USC team. And before we get into the actual on-court matchup between Gonzaga and USC, I want to talk about Bronny James, because we found out shortly before we hit the record button here that Bronny is not going to be available for this game against Gonzaga, but he is practicing next week. He is expected to be cleared by the USC doctors very soon and, and should be on the court. If not the next game, which is against Long Beach State, I think on the 10th, probably pretty soon. What, what does that mean for USC to get Bronny back in the mix? It's huge. And uh, before the season, I think, it, you know, if you uh, talk to people in and around USC, they would have said, you know, with Boogie Ellis, Isaiah mm-hmm. Collier and Kobe Johnson in the backcourt, like that's that's a lot of mouths to feed right there. Mm-hmm. You add Bronny to that mix could could kind of cause some complications. But the way the season has gone, the way the season has uh, begun uh, for USC, they need him. They need his shooting. They need his perimeter defense. Uh, like USC has not been up to par uh, in either of those categories. So like Bronny's going to give USC, once he comes back, he's Mm going to give USC some ingredients the Trojans really need because, you know, their bench has not really delivered. Ozias Sellers, Harrison Hornery, just not providing what one would reasonably identify as high-end minutes. And that's a real point of concern for USC. After the starting five, uh, you get into that bench, uh, you, you know, backup wings, backup shooters, they're not providing high volume, uh, high impact performances for the most part. So Bronny fits in there like he, he'll probably be the sixth man, certainly at the beginning of when he comes back. Maybe that will continue throughout the Pac-12 season. He'll give Andy Enfield, you know, another interchangeable part in the backcourt. And, uh, you know, like Boogie and and Kobe and Collier, they won't have to play maybe quite as many minutes. Enfield can stagger those four guys, Boogie, Collier, Kobe, Bronny. He can mix and match those four, have two on the floor at one time, have two resting at one time. Sometime he'll play three of them, but you like he can he'll be able to rest guys so that USC can really, you know, go at its opponents all 40 minutes. You know, you're resting to, you're playing to, uh, really gives USC uh, many more options. And in terms of the time frame, the James family statement said, quote unquote, soon after he returns to practice next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, the, 
the, the dream scenario for USC right now would be that he returns for that Sunday, December 17 showcase at Auburn. Yeah. Love to have him back there. But being realistic, you know, that might be a little too soon. You know, mm-hmm. it, it might be rushing it and you don't want to rush things with, you know, a rehab and all that Bronny's been through health wise. You know, we went through this a year ago with Vinci Wachukwu mm-hmm. recovering from cardiac arrest. Like these both cardiac arrests were in July. So it was a similar yeah. time frame. But Bronny seems to be on track to be to co- return sooner than Iwuchukwu did. Iwuchukwu returned January 12th, 2023. So Bronny's probably going to beat him there. I think the reasonable scenario, which is still a very good one for USC, it's not ideal, but the, the reasonable scenario, he comes back for the Pac-12 season opener yeah. against Oregon. That's on December 28th. So he'd, join, he'd be able to play on that Oregon road trip to Eugene and Corvallis at the end of December. I think if you get him at the start of Pac-12 play, that's probably better than USC fans uh, had a, had reason to hope, given that mm-hmm. Iwuchuku didn't come in until mid-January of last year when the Trojans had already played four or five Pac-12 games. If you get Bronny for the full Pac-12 slate, probably a, a, a you know a better than expected outcome for USC. Well, obviously, I, you mentioned the, the three-headed monster of the, those guards with with Kobe and Collier and, of course, Boogie and the way that they've been playing. And and certainly some more depth would be great. I know Gonzaga fans are definitely jealous because our guard depth is at a, a significant low right now after the preseason injury to Steel Venters. We'd love to have four interchangeable guards the way that uh, USC is going to be set up. But for this game, they'll only have the three. But uh, obviously, tremendous talent out of this group here. Boogie's averaging over 20 points per game. Collier's not too far behind him. Kobe Johnson is every looks every bit the part of that first round NBA draft pick that a lot of people are talking about with him. And and I guess how has that chemistry been? You mentioned like the the mouths to feed situation. It sure seems like there has been a, a pretty good amount of of cohesion among that group. I know that there are some turnover issues, particular with Collier. He's turning up, turning the ball over like you might expect a freshman who has a, a high usage rate to do so. But for Gonzaga fans who haven't seen a lot of USC, what, what can they expect, particularly from this trio of, of backcourt players? And, and maybe what are some ways that, that Gonzaga's group can, can hope to slow them down? Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm a little bit disappointed with what we've seen from USC. I mean, let's keep in mind, this team's already lost twice. Mm-hmm. Now when it lost to Irvine, it didn't have either Boogie Ellis or Kobe Johnson. Mm-hmm. So you're missing two players and you know we you and I we we follow western college basketball mm-hmm. we know Russell Turner's a really good coach at Irvine yeah. like he'll make you pay when you're missing two mm-hmm. high end players so like that's the casual fan might say oh that's an atrocious loss it's yeah. not an atrocious loss but it did sh- expose the lack of depth on mm-hmm. the USC roster that you didn't have guys who could step in and compensate for those losses so again the depth is still a concern until Bronny comes back and and uh, reduces that problem. And then the other thing is because Boogie and Kobe and also DJ Rodman, the transfer from Washington State, they all missed at least one game in mid-November. And the injuries have prevented this team from having practice time together. And in, you know, as well as I do, in November, you really need to build cohesion. You need to get guys playing together, being used to each other. And these injuries have interrupted that. And so when we what we saw in San Diego, that two game uh, tournament against Seton Hall and then Oklahoma, you know, the guys were USC looked like a team that had not been practicing together nearly as much as Andy Enfield would have hoped. So those injuries have thrown a monkey wrench into all of this. And with Collier, you know, 
the problem is not that he's making mistakes. All right. The problem is that he's making mistakes and he's not offsetting them with enough big plays. And, you know, his best game to date this season was the opener. It was the first game against Kansas State. Like that was that was the vintage Isaiah Collier. That was exactly what USC was hoping for. If you recall, Andy, in that game, three and one baskets in the first 17 minutes of that game. That's hard to do against anybody, but especially against a Jerome Tang, Big 12, mm-hmm. Kansas State defense. I mean, that tells you how skilled he is. That tells you how physical he is in terms of finishing through contact. We have not seen that guy since the Kansas State game. And defenses are playing him for the drive. You know, they, they, they know that his jumper is not all the way there. And he's he's been okay with the jump shot, but... The, the, the thing is, and you know this from having covered USC <laughs> at Trojan Fire in the past, you know that Andy Enfield's offense is bogged down. And yeah. the hope was, the hope was this season that Isaiah Collier, he would be the antidote against mm-hmm. a scoring drought in the middle of the second half. That he, by getting to the foul line, drawing fouls, getting the opposing team in foul trouble, and just leading a parade to the free throw line, that is what Isaiah Collier was supposed to be able to do whenever things got a little sticky, whenever things got stagnant at the offensive end. Oh, I'm Isaiah Collier. I'm big. I'm strong. I can get to the rim whenever I want. Haven't seen that really since the Kansas State game. And that is the player we need, we, USC (laughs) needs to see uh, against Gonzaga. And of course, so you mentioned this in the open. How's Gonzaga going to deal with it? Like you, you just make Isaiah Collier beat you with the jump shot. You do not yeah. let him get to the rim. And the other thing to point out in terms of this problem for USC, Collier not being able to get to the rim and get to the foul line as regularly as he did in that first game against Kansas State. The other thing we're not seeing, I was expecting Collier to be getting into the paint, maybe like the elbow area uh, or maybe you know just to the side of the lane, like kind of like 12 to 15 feet from the basket. He draws – multiple defenders and then he'll throw a lob to Josh Morgan or maybe maybe it's Kobe Johnson maybe it's DJ Rodman I thought we were going to see a little lob city yeah. at USC <laughs> that has not materialized mm-hmm. at all and that is that's something to keep in mind for an Andy Enfield team which struggles with turnovers it's not just a collier thing you know that USC's offense has had a turnover problem consistently under Enfield so you know, sometimes you don't have to make a shot to create good offense. You just draw two defenders. You put a, flo- a soft floater up on the glass and mm-hmm. another guy cleaning it up. That's That can be good offense. That, that yeah. can certainly be good offense. If you're drawing people away from the rim, you know, a missed shot is still good offense because you have such a good chance to get the offensive rebound. Haven't seen any of that. So, like, that's what USC wants to establish, and that's naturally, therefore, what Gonzaga needs to be wary of. You know, you stop the dribble penetration, you don't let Isaiah Collier get to the foul line, and you also prevent any, like, weak side offensive putbacks. That's something USC has not done well. And so if you're Gonzaga, you don't want USC to get started. Well, Matt and I are going to take a look at USC's front court and that matchup against Graham E.K., Anton Watson, and the Zags. All that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Folks, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. 
So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is really, really easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options. You can bet on the money line, player props, over-unders, the spreads, and more. And right now, the Zags currently have 800 to 1 odds to make the Final Four. If you're feeling like this team is going to be dancing well into the NCAA tournament, you want to drop $25 on it. When that weekend rolls around and the Zags are in the Final Four, you're $200 richer and super, super happy. So visit FanDuel.com now slash locked on and kick off the college basketball season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I want to move on to the front court a little bit. And some of what you touched on there, I think, kind of applies here. In particular, the the foul situation. I think you mentioned the depth for USC not being where they want it to be. And I think... Uh, they have a, a tremendous rim protector in Joshua Morgan. He's he's really good at what he does. But uh, Gonzaga did a good job against the Dembona, obviously another rim protector in the Pac-12 at UCLA. Now that game, uh, the referees just went absolutely nuclear and called like 40-something fouls. So everybody was in foul trouble in, in that one. But Gonzaga has four bigs. They have four bigs who are capable of rotating in and out. They have four bigs who, who for the most part, are capable of stretching the floor, as particularly the backup bigs are, are 35 38% three-point shooters and and to me, I think a key for Gonzaga is going to be their advantage offensively down on the block. Graham E.K. has has looked every bit like that Mountain West player of the year that he was projected to be before he suffered uh, an injury and missed that entire season at Wyoming. And, and to me, it feels like if Gonzaga is able to either pull Morgan away from the rim uh, by hitting outside shots or force him to get into some foul trouble and try to get into to USC's depth, that could be an area of strength for Gonzaga because the guard scoring hasn't quite been there. I think Nembhard and Hickman are going to have better offensive days than they've had up to this point. But for me, it feels like the key for Gonzaga to win this one, at least offensively, is going to be on the block. What have you seen from USC's defense and particularly in the front court and kind of how, how do you think that might uh, that matchup might work out in, the, in this one? Yeah, so, you know, Josh Morgan, he blocked uh, 10 shots against Seton Hall last week. So, I mean, he, he is a fly swatter. He, 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 he does that really well. Mm-hmm. However... And, and this gets back to it's kind of like the other side of the coin with USC not getting offensive putbacks mm-hmm. as part of its offense. It also isn't protecting the defensive backboard. That's how it lost to Oklahoma. You had three mm-hmm. guys just watching the ball, not sealing out their man. That's how the Sooners beat them mm-hmm. on Friday. So USC's had a, a, a backboard problem this yeah. season. And I think in many ways, I think the glass could be the decisive factor here. Precisely for what I've been outlined, that USC needs to get more points off putbacks and it needs to limit how often uh, the opponents get putbacks and second, third chance uh, points. So Morgan's defense and USC's initial half court defense, not that bad. But then denying the second chances, that's really been the Achilles heel uh, for this team. And it also brings up another point discussing USC's bigs, Andy, and that Mm -hmm. is that as it as valuable as it is and will be that Bronny James is coming back. If you 
you know, told me in, in the offseason, like in October, early November, who's more important, Bronny James or Vince Iwuchukwu? I would I would have said Vince Iwuchukwu, and you know we'll, we'll see how this season uh, unfolds. But I'm going to maintain that position at least for now because Iwuchukwu, five star big man, and you know he came in the middle of last season, but you know he had back, he got back problems in late February, early March, so he didn't play in the Pac-12 tournament. He didn't play in the NCAA tournament, and USC really missed him against uh, Tom Izzo in Michigan State in the NCAA tournament, exactly the kind of rugged deep defender rebounder type that USC needed on the floor. Didn't have it. Uh, that, and that was a huge absence. And then Iwuchuku had a medical procedure for that back problem shortly after the season ended. So what that did, it robbed him of an off season. He was not able to practice in the summer. He didn't join the team's August European tour to Greece and Croatia, so he's been playing catch up. He's been playing minimal minutes, you know, backup minutes behind Josh Morgan. And, you know, from a USC perspective, I wish this game against Gonzaga was next week. <laughs> I think, think Iwuchuku ne needed another week to kind of build up, ramp up, to be at a place where he's ready to go like 25, 30 minutes. I don't think he's going to play that much against Gonzaga. I'd, I'd expect 15 to 18 minutes. They really need his his defense and rebounding against Gonzaga. I mean, I watched the Gonzaga UCLA game at the Maui Invitational. That was big boy basketball. That was that was that was fierce. You know, not for the faint of heart. USC really needs the best of Vince Iwuchuku, and I don't think just because of his rehab. Like, it's not a commentary on him as a player or as a as a worker, as someone who's dedicated to his craft, he has a great work ethic. You know, he's respected in the locker room. People love him, but just the injury rehab, he's been, he's been playing catch up the whole way. And I don't think you're going to see him uh, in a position to max out. And, and Andy, Enfield will, Andy Enfield will only be able to get so many minutes from him. Uh, so that, that definitely plays in the Zags favor on Saturday. Yeah, that's a tough matchup to not have your your rim protecting bigs at full strength just because, again, Gonzaga can throw those four bigs, not just Graham E.K., not just Anton Watson, who went absolutely insane against UCLA at 32 points on one missed field goal. Don't know if we're expecting that from him again, but again, like USC is going to have to find ways to guard multiple bigs, and Braden Huff has looked fantastic in a, a bench role for Gonzaga so far this season. I'll be interested to see what he looks like against some better competition, but a uh, tough, tough go for USC to, to not have Iwuchuku for, for as, as probably as many minutes as he's capable of giving. It strikes me as a game where Gonzaga might be able to take advantage, but then if they run into this team in the NCAA tournament, you know, it might be a bit of a different story with Bronny back with Iwuchuku playing playing more minutes. And I did want to talk a little bit about a, an inland Northwest uh, alumni, somebody that many Gonzaga fans have probably seen quite a bit of. That's, of course, DJ Rodman, uh, son of Dennis Rodman, four-year player at Washington State. Uh, what has his adjustment looked like at USC? Uh, you know, he was a guy that, that I was kind of championing as a potential addition for Gonzaga in the portal, but uh, obviously couldn't resist going down to LA. And, and I think there's a, a nice fit there, but I'm curious what his role kind of is and how you think uh, he might make an impact on this game. Yeah, so you know he missed a game. He he, mm -hmm. he missed one game uh, in in the middle of November as well uh, with a with a moderate injury problem. I mean he he played in San Diego against Seton Hall uh, in Oklahoma, but like he wasn't a hundred percent for around a week, 
And so, you know, as with uh, Kobe Johnson as well, you know, and also also Iwu Chukwu in terms of, you know, his rehab, we haven't seen the best of DJ Robin. But again, I don't think that's a verdict on him as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he, his role, I think many people in and around the USC program thought it was going to be three and D, you know, shoot, shoot three pointers while, you know, Isaiah Collier and Boogie Ellis, they have the ball. Collier in particular penetrating uh, having a drive and kick game, you know, when defense is really sag into the paint, try to stop his dribble penetration. DJ Rodman is was supposed to be the, you know, a catch and shoot guy. Now, Bronny James is going to fill that role when he comes uh, into the lineup. So right now, though, it's only DJ Rodman is kind of in that three and D role. But of course, the other thing, as you know, is that Rodman's undersized. You know, he's mm-hmm. often at playing at the four against a bigger man. And that, that requires a lot of energy at the defensive end of the floor. And so realistically, you you want him to be able to get into a rhythm as a three point shooter and become more lethal on that end. But that's going to be the long-term project as the season goes along right now, they need his defense at the four being able to stand up uh, to, you know, oftentimes taller guys, Mm-hmm. Uh, in the paint within 10 feet of the basket. So if they can get a just a strong defender rebounder type effort against Gonzaga and also again in that game against Auburn that I mentioned uh, on December 17th, they'll take that. But then you hope that as we get into the Pac-12 season, that he'll become that complete two-way player that we, we saw at Washington State. Taking a, a bit of a bigger scope look at USC right now, obviously you mentioned the two losses, the Irvine loss where they weren't at full strength, the Oklahoma loss. Uh, how how important does that make this game against Gonzaga? Because right now, and I think this might change, but right now they have no other ranked games on their non-conference schedule. I'm, I think Auburn should be ranked right now. I think there's a chance that they are ranked by the time that game rolls around. But outside of that, not a ton of other ranked opportunities for USC. Of course, they'll get into conference play. They'll get a couple shots at Arizona. UCLA and Colorado are teams kind of on the periphery of, of being ranked. Uh, in that conversation, but it, it kind of feels like that, that maybe puts a little bit more pressure on this particular game for USC, it, just in terms of building that resume uh, heading, you know, as we get closer and closer to March. No question about it. And, you know, Isaiah Collier, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a freshman. And so a lot of what you're seeing from him, you can say, well, these are freshman mistakes, Yeah. but I, there, there's a part of me, which thinks, you know, he's going up against non-elite uh, opponents and maybe there's been a sense from Isaiah Collier that you know I can just show up and and physically dominate I can just impose my will on the opposition in Gonzaga like this is not it's never an opponent that you just go up show up and say oh I'm just going to dominate like there's too much respect for for the program the school the players Mark Few and so I am really interested in how Isaiah Collier handles this. And yes, there's a lot of pressure on USC to grab this win, significantly boost the resume. And I, but I wonder how much is Isaiah Collier kind of feeling the pressure of needing to be the guy, needing to be the savior for USC basketball, the guy who makes it all happen, the guy who can make this season something special. Is is what he's going through just a freshman phase, or is he actually? you know, really internalizing the pressure of expectations that attended uh, this USC basketball season. If if Collier plays a big-time game, even if USC loses, if Collier plays a really, really big-time game, USC can at least walk out of this saying, all right, our dude, our alpha male, he, he's for real. 
He's ready. And when we get to UCLA and Arizona in the Pac-12 season, we're going to get the best of Isaiah Collier, in which, and in which case USC is going to be fine. But if Collier plays another ragged, disjointed game and he enters Auburn and then Christmas and then the start of Pac-12 play still searching for his game, that's going to be very concerning. So obviously it's a huge game for, for uh, USC. And I think that, you know, the news of Bronny returning, that's going to fire guys up. It's going to going to boost the mood in the locker room. So in that sense, maybe that uh, lightens the mood uh, for Isaiah Collier and the rest of his teammates. So you obviously want to win, but really the main thing USC has to get out of this game is that Isaiah Collier, he's going to be the guy uh, throughout the rest of the season, meaning that you're going to see his best or something close to it on a very consistent basis, something we haven't seen in this month of November. Well, Matt, I was hoping to ask about your predictions for the game as well as your X factor. I'm guessing Collier sounds like he might be the X factor for you in this game, depending on, on how he plays and, and whether he shows up in this one. But do you got a prediction on maybe not an exact score, but at least maybe some prediction on how this game might flow, how it might shake out, what that might look like when it's all said and done? Yeah, so like Isaiah Collier is my most important player, but I think the X factor is uh, the glass. It's the backboard, yeah. uh, USC being able to get putbacks uh, and 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 then and from Isaiah Collier breaking down the Zags defense if he can, mm -hmm. uh, and then also denying the Zags second chance points at the other end. That in terms of like a a, a, a facet of competition, that's what I'd focus on. But I don't think USC is ready. I mean, and part of this is NC Wuchuku not being able to play as many minutes as as the Trojans need and as Andy Enfield would like. It's also about Isaiah Collier, you know, going through some struggles. Like you, we hope he's going to be at his very best, but you probably wouldn't expect that the way the last few games have gone. And Mark Few should be able to keep him away from the rim, you know, if uh, – uh, if Porter Moser and Oklahoma were able to do that, you know, he was not getting to the foul line against Oklahoma. So if Porter Moser can do it, Mark Few can do it too. So I just think that USC's offense is still at a place where it's going to bog down. It won't get the, uh, the volume of free throws that it needs to, again, ward off those scoring droughts, those Andy Enfield uh, scoring droughts. And uh, just USC has not been as cohesive as hoped for because of injuries over the past few weeks. So I'm going to say Gonzaga 80, USC 69. Love it. I, uh, I I think I was going to go with like an 8 to 10 point victory for Gonzaga. So that's really close in line there. I think it's going to be a, a decently close game. It does matter those those lulls. Gonzaga has had a fair amount of second half lulls this year. So we'll see if, if USC and Gonzaga have them at the same time, if they overlap, if one team can manage to avoid it. I think rebounding is a huge X factor in terms of players. I would probably go with Anton Watson just in terms of how USC is going to defend him and then how he plays on the defensive end of the floor. I'm curious uh, how they'll match him up. Will he be on Rodman? Will he potentially get some chances to even guard Kobe Johnson? What that might look like look for them. But I think it's going to be a really exciting and, and fun game. And I kind of want to close out the show, Matt, just asking you how you kind of see the rest of USC's season going. And obviously, it's very clear that that's going to be dependent on Bronny. It's going to be dependent on Iwachuku. It's going to be dependent on Collier kind of taking that leap. But 
looking at the Pac-12 right now, I mean, Arizona is the clear favorite and they should be the clear favorite. They are a phenomenal program at this point, but there's kind of a gap at number two. It could be USC. It could be UCLA if, if their young guys and their international players kind of take that leap, which they just haven't quite done yet. Uh, Colorado is a team a lot of people have liked. I'm not as enthused about them, but they're certainly in that conversation too. Do you do you think USC, there's a there's an outcome where they're the second best team in the Pac-12 or, or uh, wh where do you think they might finish there? So, you know, in terms of like the full picture, uh, mm -hmm. you know, USC's chances of getting that high NCAA tournament seed, that was a big talking point uh, yeah. going into the season. You know, USC's chances of getting a really high March seed have taken a big hit yeah. with everything that's gone on. And of course, like they need to beat Gonzaga and or mm -hmm. Auburn to really make that a legitimate possibility. And right now it's hard to see USC getting those wins. But mm -hmm. if you get Bronny James in the fold for the start of Pac-12 play on December 28th, and you get a full strength Vince Iwuchukwu, and you get this team practicing together with a fuller, deeper unit where you have Josh Morgan and Vince Iwuchukwu both you know, able to place significant minutes uh, in the front court. And then you have those four guards, Bronny, Kobe, Collier, uh, and Boogie, uh, you know, being Andy Anfield being able to mix and match them, that's really formidable. And so I think I think the realistic outlook for USC is, you know, it's probably going to be a struggle bus for a few more weeks and you're not probably not going to get that high end win out out of the conference, though, that that Kansas State win is going to travel. That's going to be a good win uh, come March. But, um, you know, it's probably going to be a struggle through Christmas, but then with accumulated practice time and, and getting the full strength roster, USC could legitimately be the second best team in the Pac-12 uh, behind Arizona. I mean, UCLA is a work in progress with all those Euros and, and youngsters. Um, I mean, U UCLA certainly looks to me like a team that has a high ceiling and could, could really be something special. But, you know, a lot of variables are in play there. But then, you know, the biggest reason to think that USC can be second best in the Pac-12 behind Arizona is that what's Colorado doing? What's yeah. Oregon doing? Mm -hmm. You know, those two teams have been significant disappointments to this point in the season. So, like, the idea that USC can rise above those two, that shouldn't be too hard. Um, but mm -hmm. it's really going to be probably a USC-UCLA battle uh, for second behind Arizona future Big Ten battle right there. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Help us preview this USC game. It's one of the most exciting non-conference games for Gonzaga. Really looking forward to, to the opportunity to watch this one. And again, I appreciate you, uh, you giving us some extra insight. Thanks so much, Andy. Always a pleasure to talk to you. All right, folks, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thanks again for Matt to come in on the show to help preview this USC matchup. I will be in Las Vegas on Saturday for this game and for the Washington Colorado State game ahead of time if you're in town let me know hopefully get a chance to say hi to some of you that's gonna wrap us up for this week thanks again for making Locked on Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day smash that like button leave a comment on YouTube or a review on iTunes all of it is much appreciated join us in that discord channel as well link in the show notes you can find us there talking hoops 24 7 have a great weekend Zags fans and until next time as always go Zags